Good evening. Welcome back to the Conservatarian Exchange on the Liberty Block. Glad to have you with us this evening. Ed P., we're, we're hosted tonight by Ed P., Ed M., Mike, and myself, Steve. Ed P., you haven't been with us in a week or two. Um, what's the biggest story of the week? I don't know what the biggest story of Most the week is. Most important story of the week. Um, I, I think we all I think we ought to talk about the the Kennedy story a little bit about the uh, ACE two receptor because I I did um, I did dig into this a little bit um, and so I have come with show and tell um, and uh, I think you know Kennedy is being attacked for saying that uh, you know maybe COVID was um, was a, a engineered bioweapon and uh, I, I will I will bring up uh, my show and tell here um, mm -hmm. see if I can get it uh, so this is the uh, this is the article in red state that kind of explains what he said uh, um, and he said uh, there's an argument that it is ethnically targeted attacks certain races disproportionately um due to differences in the ace2 receptor targeted to attack caucasians and black people most immune are ashkenazi jews and chinese um and then he goes in to say we do know that the united states and and the chinese are are spending hundreds of millions of dollars de developing ethnic bioweapons and we are too and then he goes on to say which i think was is the most outrageous thing but is of course not what anybody's talking about um, that's what all those labs in Ukraine about. They're collecting Russian DNA. They're collecting Chinese DNA so that we can target people. I don't think there's any uh, evidence that um, I think that's just completely off the wall. And and in in fact that that is really uh, the that those last sentences are are really um, worrisome for me because of course that that there's no evidence for that at all. So that that's kind of what he said, and of course everybody uh, got their panties in a twist because he he mentioned um, the Jews. So I, I I looked at that paper, and we'll share that now. Um, I found the paper that he was referring to. Um, if I can find it, uh, this one, yeah. And so just to um, just to look at this paper. This is called New Insights into Genetic Sus Susceptibility of COVID-19 and ACE2 and TMPRSS2 Polymorphism Analysis. It was done out of uh, the Cleveland Clinic, which is one of the um, you know, most prestigious uh, research institutes, medical research institutes. Um, one thing I've learned, though, in, in, in reading a lot of medical journal articles um, with regard to um, COVID, is that you really need to take everything with a grain of salt because these doctors aren't really scientists, but that's, that's another thing. But it does say, and I will uh, do zoomy boo a little bit. Um, uh, it does, oops, got it wrong. Can't, can't even, yeah, there we go. Okay. We found that the distribution of deleterious variants in ACE2 differs among nine populations in this database. Um, 39 to 54% of the deleterious variants in ACE2 occur in African and African-American and non-Finnish European populations, respectively. Prevalence of de deleterious variants among Latino admixed American, meaning 
you know, Amer American Indian. East Asian and Finnish and South Asian populations is two to 10%, while Amish and Askenazi Jewish populations do not appear to carry such variants in ACE2 coding regions. So, I mean, that's, that's what the paper says, which is exactly what, um, what Kennedy said. Mm -hmm. And then the article that, um, the article in Red State that I, I shared uh, um, referenced another article. Um, and I'll uh, share that now uh, just to get the background here, if I can figure out how to do this. Uh, first here, then here. Uh, annoying that it doesn't work. Um, apologize for the slowness of my. So this is another article. This is called Genetic Analysis of the Coronavirus SARS-CoV-2 Host Protease TMPRSS2 in Different Populations. This is a different gene, um, which is one of the ones uh, that the other paper talked to. Now, it, it was talking about a different gene, but in, in this one, you can see that the loss of function variants here are um, in, in this particular uh, analysis are, are uh, higher in the African-American and lower in some of the others. In this particular one, it's higher in the Ash Ashkenazi Jewish and Finnish. In this one, it's higher in the Finnish. And in this one, it's higher, it's lower in the East Asian. So this is, uh, it kind of says in this TMPRSS2 gene that it's not as as concrete as far as which um, which particular populations are um, more susceptible or not, but it does say uh, in this one the non-synonymous pathogenic variants are highest in the Ashkenazi Jewish population. So, um, what what have we learned from this? Uh, one is that uh, Kennedy uh, reads the um, literature, um, but the other is that I think he trusts it a little bit too much. I don't trust anything I see in the medical literature anymore uh, after after I've done all this reading in COVID, um, primarily because I think they don't do a very good job. Um, of classifying the uncertainties uh, in their work. I think doctors tend to just run it through a statistical an analysis like a, a crank and they come up with and they say, oh, it's statistically significant. So that's our, our program. Um, but I, I don't think he was, uh, you know, he's being accused of being anti-Semitic. Of course, that's ridiculous. Uh, Kennedy is not So you're saying you think he got it wrong, what he understood from the studies? No, I think he got it right, exactly right, from that one study. But the problem is you can't just learn anything in medicine from one study. You gotta, um, you know, you gotta read uh, quite widely because I, again, these, it's all mush. It's all very, it's all very much mushed, a very non-reproducible, you know, the Journal of Non-Reproducible Experiments. And I, I think, you know, he read that, it kind of clicked with them. Obviously Kennedy does not, um, trust our government. He believes that elements inside our government killed his father and killed um, his uncle. Wow. And uh, 
and I think he's just willing to uh, think the worst. And so that uh, doesn't speak well for his judgment, then. Well, that depends on whether he's right or not, right? He wasn't careful enough to read more than one study, and he doesn't understand how studies work, and he shoots from the hip. That's not a positive thing. No, I mean, that, again, I, you know, I, I would read that study. Of course, I, I, I really stopped reading about uh, COVID because it's uninteresting anymore. Um, but, you know, I would have read that study and, and said, oh, that's interesting. Um, but I wouldn't have come to the conclusion that um, that it was necessarily ethnically targeted. Although he, had, he does have a point. Obviously, ethnically targeted bioweapons are the holy grail for um, for countries that for yeah, for countries that are insular and and um, you know what we might call racist. And the Chinese are extremely racist. Um, from an American perspective, uh, you know, Americans are, are are not racist at all compared to the Chinese, despite all of the uh, hype in our media. We really aren't a, a racist country. I, I mean, there might be one or two racist people out here. Um, and, but I mean, the truth of the matter is, uh, you know, I live in a very diverse neighborhood and have, are friends with my neighbors and a lot of people do, and and uh, you know it, it's not. Um, it, but the Chinese are not that at all. They're they're extremely Han Chinese centric in their yeah. um, thinking, and it, you know it would not surprise me if they were trying to come up with a bioweapon that targeted uh, well, European people. Yeah, I mean, listen, I mean, he may be wrong or right about this one particular issue. But more broadly, whether these kinds of bioweapons are being produced or they're doing experiments to, to do this stuff, I don't think there's any question <laughs> about that. I mean, they're, they're trying to act like he's a complete Looney Tunes for even bringing that up in a more broad sense. When you could go online and you're going to find this stuff everywhere, you're going to see concerns from people in our own government about this stuff being produced. So obviously the bigger picture is the fact that a lot of times he's over the target, just like Tucker's was over the target and they they're out to destroy him. So while I appreciate his honesty, a lot of times, I think he needs to be a little bit, he, he needs to pick and choose which kinds of stuff that he wants to make issues out of in a sense. You know what I mean? Don't play into the fact that they're trying to, they already think you're a kook. Don't give them ammo to make you think you're a kook. This particular uh, thing, and he was at a lunch, and uh-oh, we lost Ed. Uh, he he was at a lunch, and he was just talking extemporaneously to a, people around the table, and somebody filmed him, you know, and that's the, yeah. the truth of the matter is you can't assume that you're speaking off the record and, and whatnot. Um, right. But, yeah, I, you right. know, yeah. I, again, I, 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 again, I would not have said what he said. Um, I especially don't think the bio labs in Ukraine have anything to do with the uh, um with uh, you know creating western bio I mean what how how would you do that right I mean it, it the the differences in races are are so relatively small um that it, you know it would be it would be hard enough to like target Europeans as 
in preference to Han Chinese, but the idea that that like Ukrainians could well, develop something that targets Russians. I mean, listen, that's ridiculous. That's if ridiculous. If they want to harm us, then they're going to have an even more difficult time considering how yeah. diverse our population is. What's interesting right. to me is I always considered myself a Caucasian. I didn't <laughs> realize that I was an Ashkenazi Jew and not a Caucasian. Well, have you um, done the 23andMe? No way. I'm not giving the government my stuff. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. No, it is very interesting because I obviously I've done it and friends and family have done it. And uh, and yeah, there are um, there are biomarkers for Ashkenazi uh, Judaism. There are other biomarkers for the Sephardim. Um, and, and I, you know, I think from a. You know, from a population perspective, there hasn't been a lot of outmarriage in the Jewish community over the last 2000 years or so. And so it, 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 it there is a lot more nowadays, um, you know, your son, uh, but uh, there really hasn't been much. And so, you know, you get these um, genetic markers that are indicative of that particular population, uh, any population um, that doesn't have a lot of outmarriage. Uh, one of the things they um they mentioned was the Amish community as well. Uh, the the Amish have almost no outmarriage and haven't for, you know, a couple hundred years, three, four hundred years. And so it, you know, they obviously have developed specific genetic markers that are that are specific to them rather than uh, to the surrounding population in Pennsylvania, which is you know which is primarily English. Um, so it, it's it's not specific to Judaism or Jews. It's just you know any population that tends not to have a lot of it's marriage outside. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's just so they can detect it. So they do, you know. But I think um, it's also interesting. By the way, if you remember way back in earlier COVID, when basically the Jews, especially the visual visibly Jewish people, were being blamed for the spread of COVID and not being vaccinated and being guilty of killing everybody. And now the same medical establishment is saying that Ashkenazi Jews are more immune to this. How does that add up? I, I think there's a lot of people who try uh, uh, to um, to blame uh, Jewish people for everything. But you can't have uh, it both ways. You can't one day blame them and the next day say they're exempt from it. And it just doesn't jive. Well, I don't think consistency is necessarily the, uh, you know, <laughs> the hallmark of some of these people. Um, I, I just you think know. It, it is kind of ironic because they took, whether deservedly or not, they took quite a hit in the press for not yeah. taking care of COVID, not being vaccinated. I have to tell you, it made quite a big stink within the community. And a lot of very prominent rabbis were coming out very strongly that you have to get vaccinated even to the extent that there's videos of all the leading rabbis in New York basically saying you absolutely 100% have to get vaccinated. We have to trust the doctors. Now, you, you to ask them about you said, why we have to trust the doctors. You have said in previous podcasts that there is a kind of a disconnect between the rab rabbis and the congregants on a number of issues with regard to politics that the rabbis tend to be more co-opted by the establishment, whereas the congregants are very um, 
are, are very skeptical of the establishment. But um, in, in the visibly religious world that, that was getting blamed for this, they tend to go lockstep with the rabbis. And it just, it makes me a little upset that I think the rabbis who were yelling, everybody has to take the shot or they're killing people, didn't read Bobby Kennedy's book, didn't read Alu Axelman's book. And I think we're unbelievably naive to think that these uh, vaccinations were not toxic to many people. And again, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a scientist, but it does seem to be that every single day there is another article about something else horrible about the vaccine. Now, I don't know, I asked you guys the other day, I don't remember if you answered, is Steve Kirsch reliable? I've read almost everything Steve Kirsch has put out. Um, I tend to agree with 90% of what he writes, but like Kennedy in this particular instance, I think he jumps to unwarranted conclusions occasionally. I, with, you know, the fallacy of unjustified generalization, I, I, I tend to think that um, he uh, puts too much trust in surveys that he uh, conducts among his readers rather than, um, uh, rather than, um, I think more broader data. Um, like anecdotally, I know I personally know someone that that is have met them, been in their house. That kind of no. I know one person who died of COVID, and I know one person who's died of the vaccine. That's it. Now I've heard of friends of friends and you know grandparents of friends and whatnot who have died of COVID, but of of the people I've actually been in their house talk to them, whatnot, I, it's 50-50. Um, can I generalize from that to say that, you know, uh, as, as kind of Steve Kirsch does, that, you know, maybe there's 600,000 people who died of the vaccine and there's probably around 600,000 people because they overcount uh, who died of, of COVID. That's kind of, you know, certainly my personal experience is consistent with Steve Kirsch conclusion, but I just don't think that is data. I, I really don't think that's right. Right, But on I, the I, other I, hand, is it data when the government said we should take the COVID vaccine? Is that any more reliable? So, well, we found out that, no, I mean, <laughs> I think that was the great uh, illuminator of the whole COVID experience for a lot of people is that the government is utterly and totally uh, corrupt and, right. uh, and people, lying about them. Right. Leaders should not be out there saying we have to believe doctors when doctors are killing off their own credibility. And I think the lasting damage from COVID to a big extent is now nobody wants any shots and how do you convince anybody to trust anything? Yeah, I mean, Steve Kirsch, again, I subscribed to him on Substack. He, he just put a, a article out where he looked at the proximity of, um, of uh, autism with regard to particular vaccines. And um, mm -hmm. again, I don't know the data he used. So I am not saying this is true. I'm not saying this is false. I'm just saying that he put out an article and this is what it showed. It showed that the uh, propensity of autistic symptoms within 30 days of a vaccine varies wildly depending on which vaccine it is. Now, if autism had nothing to do with vaccines, it, you would think that it would be the same. No matter what vaccine you give, you know, you get a certain amount of autistic symptoms afterwards. But uh, what he claims the data shows, and I do not know this to be the truth because I have not looked at the data. What he claims is that 
the symptoms of autism spike dramatically in the MMR vaccine, uh, right after the MMR vaccine, way worse than all the other childhood vaccines um, that you get. In fact, almost all of them put together are worse, are, are, are not as bad as the MMR vaccine. That's what he claims the data shows. Do I believe that? No. Do I think it's interesting and deserves further research by honest professionals and not people who are uh, in the pocket of uh, the pharma companies? Absolutely, I do. Absolutely, I do. Yeah. I, I mean, guess bottom, bottom line on the Kennedy thing is, does this move the dial in either direction, credibility-wise, electability-wise, or it makes no difference? Everybody takes their sides, frames it the way they want. Um, I, the one article that Republicans are not giving in to disinvite him, I find mm -hmm. a good thing. If that's true, that they're not backing down. Um, again, I'm not a major RFK fan anyway. I've read his stuff. And even if 10% is true, it's scary. But to me, he's still a lib. But does this hurt him in any way? And does it matter because he doesn't? he's not serious anyway? That's kind of what I, I'm thinking. I, I think um, just, you know, I, I think Jonathan Greenblatt, is is the is the devil in this particular thing? I think it it's it, it's almost impossible to mention, um, you know, Jewish people or the genetics of Jewish people or anything about Jewish people or Israel or anything without the ADL uh, coming down on you like a ton of bricks. And I think he's really doing everybody a disservice um, with with that. And I, I think that um, the crazy thing that Kennedy said was not quoting this paper um, accurately. Um, the crazy thing was, was the biolabs in Ukraine thing. That was crazy. So, uh, you know, scientifically crazy. Um, and so as well as, you know, politically crazy. And I, I think that, um, yeah, he does tend to believe uh, too many conspiracy theories. I, I don't think He's certainly not as measured as someone like DeSantis. Um, but on the other hand, he's way more measured than Trump. And I, I, I guess it would have been interesting if three years ago we would have said to businesses, we don't have to wear masks because we're Ashkenazi Jews. And how far would that have flown? Yeah, I mean, I but think... Korea, uh, I had you in it, Ed. No, yeah, no, I mean, I, I there was a... Um, I, I, I listened to an interview uh, of a priest by uh, Britt Selner, who was Brittany Pettibone, a friend of Lauren Southerns and, and YouTuber. And the priest said, um, we did not close down our church um, or our, you know, uh, uh, we, the, the actual church building was closed by the government, but we met in secret because it is part, it is fundamental to Catholicism to go to mass. That is, you cannot, there is no Catholicism without going to mass, getting the sacraments in person. There is no Zoom in Catholic mass. And so we met in people's houses, like, uh, you know, they were kind of the kind of Catholic and Franks during this, this COVID, they were hiding from the governmental authority because they could not um, abide this, these anti, 
Catholic things in, in his understanding of Catholicism. And so he said, uh, we just uh, did it that way. And, um, you know, you gotta, uh, you have to uh, agree with that. I mean, it's, it's like if the government came out and said, um, you know, uh, COVID, uh, it, it can't be transmitted if you wear a hat. So uh, you have to stop wearing hats and you can't wear your kippas anymore. I mean, and, you know, that, that's, first of all, it's ridiculous, but it's no more ridiculous than any of the other things that the government did. But it's specific, it's, there were a number of things, as you know, in New York that were specifically targeted towards the Orthodox Jewish community during COVID. Well, if you remember, um, Cuomo came out and Cuomo. It. That's right. Cuomo came out and slammed them. And there was these horrifying videos of them, um, of the government uh, uh, goon squads breaking into Orthodox Jewish homes, which are which were being used for religious services during COVID. Um, and it, it, it's just absolutely horrifying. And, and no one seems to remember it. You know, no one seems to to remember that um, just like the Catholics in, in Austria, my friend Brittany's uh, a priest, or uh, the Orthodox Jews in New York, they're both victims of this uh, grotesque violation of rights that happened um, in the COVID regime. Adam, any comments? I think that the most, the thing that'll be most remembered about this episode is that RFK Jr. was accused of being an anti-Semite. I think that, and I think that was the whole point of the of the smear. Um, I don't yeah. think that he is one. I'm not making. I'm not adding to that smear myself. I think that was the purpose of of saying what he, uh, you know, of making the out the accusation. He he denies it. Sure. He he then came out with his own. Uh, you know, he claims that he was taken out of context and it was an off the record conversation. And, um, you know, uh, Stephen, you shared that that story from the rabbi saying that he knows RFK Jr. And while he disagrees with him on political issues, he knows that he's not an anti-Semite. I don't think any of that matters. I think that I think that the the big takeaway from that story is maybe rfk jr is a is an anti-semite that that's what that's the I think yeah and i i the, think the, that's, the big, I, I, the big, yes, the big that's exactly take, true the big takeaway is that he's a threat to them and they're yeah. out to get him i mean it, it's like i said that before like, tucker is over the target he's been over the target now he may get a, a little off the rails with some of the stuff and he probably should rein it in which is i was kind of saying before but but you know the other the other thing about kennedy is like the stuff about being very honest about a lot of this stuff, it, it's part of what makes it's part of what is appealing about it. But it's also when he talks about constitutional rights and how they were trampled on during covid. OK, and that I think is a real threat to liberal Democrats. I mean, I have one of one of my nieces, 23 years old. We were talking a little bit the other day. She's like, you know, she's not not necessarily Republican, Republican or whatever, but she's not with Biden. Guess who she's for right now? RFK. So you know what? If he can talk some sense into that generation, you know what I mean? If he could pull the Democratic Party, some of these people back towards some sanity, I'll take it. So I think what's kind of interesting to me is presumably they want to 
frame him as an anti-Semite to split Jews off the Democrat Party. Yet the squad, which is so blatantly anti-Semitic, including yeah. boycotting the far left-wing president of Israel, who wants to speak to Congress, they don't even realize that Herzog is as far left as they are probably and fighting right. everything they want in the world. That's not a problem for the Democrats. So I always want to say, what's wrong with being an anti-Semite if you're a Democrat? Isn't that what half the party has become today? So he should just, you know, join us. I, 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 again, I think there is, a, I, I think there is this civil war, this cold civil war going on in the United States uh, between you know, broadly the right and the left. And I think that the Jewish community is not um, outside of that civil war. I think there are, uh, a, you know, the majority of the Jewish community are on the far left, but there is a minority and a strong one. That's what on the side of liberty and justice and freedom. And I think the civil war is going on inside. And that, so that's I think- true. That, yeah. And, I and so I think that, but I, I think, you know, Everybody sort of outside the Jewish community doesn't think that, you know, I mean, I, I think they think that the Jewish community is some monolithic block of communists, but they aren't. So it's um, all that's all that is true. But I think that I think the whole purpose here is or, or to address what Steve was saying. The true anti-Semites don't care if you call them an anti-Semite. The ones who care are the ones who aren't anti-Semites. And the fact that RFK Jr. is bothered by it and that his his followers are bothered by it shows that they aren't anti-Semites. And but that's the whole point. I mean, that's the whole Alinsky tactic is to, you know, make him, you know, right. attack him in that way. Um, you know, the whole hold them to their, you know, hold the enemy to De their own. Define the target. Define the target. Well, and also hold them to their, yeah, hold hold them them to their, their own their standards. standards. Yeah. 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 Right. I mean. The fact that, um, you know, that the squad is so anti-Semitic, they don't care. They don't care about hypocrisy. They care. What they care about is making, you know, they know that RFK Jr. will never make that charge because he thinks that anti-Semitism is a terrible thing. And he'll spend his time defending himself rather than pointing his finger back at them and saying, who are you to talk? I think that's exactly. I mean, because especially with the Herzog visit for them to boycott it as always the left goes way too far israel to a big extent which is exploding right now has a very strong far left element that's far more in sync with the left than, than they realize so to protest the leftists in israel is beyond stupid it's yeah just, i mean i read an article uh, the other day about you know this um pro-democracy, you know, anti-democracy movement in, in Israel. It might have been one that you posted, Steve. And, uh, you know, these people are nuts. And they are uh, obviously organized. And they're basically, you know, they're, they're funded by foreigners. You know, they're funded by American leftist groups. Mm -hmm. um, some, Jewish, some Jewish American yeah, a leftist A lot of groups. Jewish, but also European groups. Also, the European groups, and they are going to take down Netanyahu um, as uh, it, it, no matter what. And I, I think um, what this article is trying to say was um, there is this fight in Israel between the more, you know, the more orthodox and um, and sort of native uh, 
a Jewish population and the more communist Eastern European Jewish population that that migrated to uh, to Israel. And he, and and Bibi is kind of in that realm, but he's sort of you know switched. He's kind of like Caesar. He switched sides, and they just they, they just hate him. They hate him so much. They're going to do any. He is the Israeli Trump, and they're going to get rid and of I him. I guess no the only what. thing the only thing scary as an American is there's no reason to believe that what happens in Israel won't come here. In Israel, they tried to shut down the airport. They tried to shut down some of the courts. They shut down all the major highways. And their own yeah. ex-prime minister is out there calling for rebellion. The people in the reserves are openly saying, we refuse to serve. Right. I mean, you're, you're getting such unbelievable anarchy. And some of it's backed by their own attorney general. So is did we get a hint of that? with BLM riots when Trump was elected. And again, I've said before, yeah. in 2024, the right people win. They're just going to look at Israel and say, why shouldn't we shut down every major highway in the country? Why not? Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I don't, you know, again, I don't pretend to understand Israeli politics, but I do know that there is a split in Israel, just as like there is a split in the United States. And, and it's, you know, just like Trump is a billionaire, yet he purports to represent, you know, the working man, um, you know, BB is, uh, you know, a descendant of one of these Eastern European Jewish families who are mostly in the leftist camp, who is now kind of more right wing and more uh, liberty oriented. And he wants to get rid of this rule by judges, um, which is entirely reasonable. And I hope he has a lot of success in it. I don't think he will, but I hope he he won't. Hey, I, I mean, don't want, we, I don't we, want to give we, a show to Israel because obviously I can speak about Israel forever and ever. Well, we do. We, you know, we do talk a lot about the the anti-Semitism charge, but I mean, there's this crazy philo-Semitism uh, that's going on in our Congress too. I, I am not philo-Semitic either, in the sense that I'm not particularly, uh, you know, just randomly friendly towards Jews or Israel. I just, I judge people as individuals. And, you know, I have plenty of Jewish friends who I like, and there are plenty of Jewish people I don't like. And there, there's, there's this vote coming up in the Senate about, you know, a, a something, you know, people falling all over themselves to uh, to praise Israel and our and America's friendship with Israel. And, and it just, it's so degrading. I mean, they've never done this with any other country like Canada or Australia, people, countries who have actually fought side by side with Americans for hundreds of years. I, it's so degrading. And so uh, anti-Semitism repulses me, but this this bizarre philo-Semitism repulses me too. It's it's just, it's awful. Can't we just treat people like individuals? Well, it's also is that part of America treats Israel like the 51st state. I mean, Biden finally acquiescing to speaking to Israel's prime minister and basically saying, get your house in order. I mean, just absolutely meddling in internal politics of another country is yeah. so off the charts. It's so disgusting. Even and he does America, it in Ireland too. He does Biden it in is Ireland, yeah. yeah, he's he's doing it in well in the United Kingdom. He 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 definitely hates the United Kingdom and he wants to split off uh, Northern Ireland from the United Kingdom. And he's he, you know he'll do it. Uh, I think he has some Irish ancestry, and that's kind of why. Is doing that, but I mean, it, it just get out. You know, who cares? Get out. It's not. That's not our business. How other countries run their affairs? It's absolutely not our business. Get out. I want to get back to Trump a second. Um, Adam, you're our legal correspondent. They're threatening, saying they're literally going to indict him now for J six. I believe that's indictment number three. 
Is it going to happen? Does it matter? I mean, I haven't seen the evidence. I can't predict whether it's going to happen from a political standpoint. Of course, I think it's going to happen. Um, and honestly, I think Trump Trump is trying to trade off of it. I think Trump is encouraging it. You know, I think that's why Trump is publicizing it. That's why he's publicizing the the letter from Jack Smith saying that he's now a target of the investigation. Um, of course, they're going to look to indict him. I mean, why wouldn't they? Because it makes him stronger. Yeah, that's one reason why they wouldn't. But although they don't, they for sure don't purport to see it that way. I don't think they see it that way, but to the extent that they do, I've said it many times on the show, I think they beat him in 20. I don't think they're afraid of him at all. I think they beat him in 20 and they they mostly beat him during his presidency. I mean, I know that if Daniel were here today, he would disagree and Trump supporters would disagree. But I think that if you look at at the past history, Trump was all talk and no action. And you know, he did the, some everything that he did. He did a lot of good things, but almost all of them were reversed as soon as Biden took office and they were able to, to stop him while he was president. And however much his supporters are even more fervently in, in, in his camp, Trump is not as popular today as he was from 2015 to 2020. If he somehow managed to sneak through and, and win again the way he won in 16, I don't think the left is scared of him at all. I don't think that there's any, I I just don't think so. Because he can't accomplish anything anyway. Well, they might not be scared to face him in the election, but I think it remains to be seen how he would act if he got in again. Well, there was an article uh, about um, some of Trump's plans to um, use the power of the presidency. Powers that have gone unused uh, uh, for a while. Um, uh-huh. to purge the bureaucracy. And I think the um, I, I, the article was written by a libertarian and, and it said, you know, don't be so happy about this because uh, it'll be used against us too. And I, you know, I, I wrote a comment on the article. It's like, us? Who, who, name one of us in the bureaucracy. There's none of us. <laughs> I mean, so, you know, the fact that if Trump can go in and, and slash you know hundreds of thousands of uh, of uh, you know leftists from the bureaucracy and you're telling me oh don't worry uh, you, you know don't think that's great because some uh sometime in the future some leftists will come in and, and slash all of the rightists in the bureaucracy there are no rightists in the bureaucracy what are you talking about so right I, well I, I agree with that but i i also think another another part of of the strategy is in the event that Trump wins, the more of these indictments that they've handed down, the easier it's going to be to paint him as seeking revenge and that he's a dictator just trying to seek revenge once he wins. I mean, again, it's all calculated to stop him, that, whether it's stop him before he gets elected. Say that about every Republican. Just, huh? Yeah, I think every, they I think they have the number with the, with if he does something that's within his power. Clearly. They'll get some judge in Hawaii to enjoin it. And if he does something um, that's within his power and the judge enjoins it, I I think, you know, one out of every five times it'll bubble up 
far enough in the, for the courts to say, no, no, he really does have this power. But that'll take two years. And half is, you know, he. They, they get, but Ed's they saying have that he's really, he's really yeah. impotent and that's why they're not afraid of him. But I, but the truth of the matter is, honest to God, uh, this is not um, limited to Trump. I think uh, I think they they are going to if suppose DeSantis is a very effective governor. We like him. Everybody likes him. Um, suppose he gets in, they'll do the same thing to him, too. It's not well, they're already it's saying not, he's worse than than Trump. They're already yeah. saying that. And well, I think this, you know, they, this they are, schedule. What Trump did in the first, when he first got in, he did a bunch of things without remembering that he has to abide by the Administrative Procedures Act. Now, is the Administrative Procedures Act in itself constitutional? Uh, we can argue about that. I, I think Trump's people know that now. And so when they did the Schedule F stuff, they did it according to the Administrative Procedures Act. And it went into it, you know, went into force on the 19th. Of course, he didn't use it because it was all wrapped up in the whole stupidity. Um, 19th of January, 2020, 2021. Um, and then Biden repealed it immediately on the 20th. So uh, I, I think the Schedule F would, if done properly and passed the APA, um, but then you start firing people like, like a, a Fauci equivalent. You just start firing these uh, high level civil servants. They'll take you to court. I mean, the females will take you to court saying it's uh, they were fired, you know, due to sexism. And the old people will take you to court, say it's ageism. And and the black people will take you to court saying it's racism and stuff. So it, it's it's very difficult, I think, even if you do all of the steps that the APA requires um, to really take a side through the bureaucracy and fire tons of people. I, I think there are uh, there are even like, oh, we're going to move. Uh, we can't fire all of the FBI agents in Washington, but I'm reassigning them to Nome, Alaska. That's the new plan. I mean, that's totally within exactly. the president. Exactly. That's what. That's, uh, but that's, somebody will sue. Some Hawaiian judge will enjoin it, and nothing will happen. You know. No, that 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 that's the lesson of all these ridiculous plans that Obama and Biden have put in. You know, Steve, you shared another story about how Biden is just going to defy the courts on the student loan forgiveness and the way and and we all know how they're how they're refusing to enforce uh you know border policy the solution is okay you want us you want us to to you want to keep your job fine go to this underground bunker go to this rubber room stay the hell away from everybody else you're going to be you're going to have zero responsibilities we'll pay your salary and you get to do absolutely nothing. You have no internet. You have no nothing. Just sit there all day and we'll pay you. They have no claim. There's no damages. There's no lawsuit that they could bring for that. That's the way to solve it. And then you just say, hey, the same way that Biden says, I'm just use exercising discretion on how I enforce border policy. Well, I'm just exercising discretion on how I want to enforce the EPA Act or how I want to enforce the FDA Act or how I want to enforce, you know, the the statute authorizing the FBI and the DOJ. Do the same thing. Make it a discretionary act. Pay them their salary, but take all their power away from them. Get them away from being able to do anything. And then fine. OK, I mean, it's still a problem that we're spending money that we don't have, but at least they're not doing any other harm. And that's the way, yeah. I mean, I, there was another like article. 
it, I forget what it was, it, whether New York Times or something like that, uh, bemoaning the um, Trump's uh, view that uh, these agencies should not be independent. You know, the FDC, the FAA, the FBI, the DOJ, all these, you know, the CF, uh, CFTC or whatever it's called, you know, all of these independent agencies. Consumer and, Finance and, Protection Board. Right. And, and, um, and, you know, they're promoting the fact that, my God, he wants to, he wants to politicize these agencies. <laughs> and, and, and the weird thing is like, you know, Article 2, Section 1, <laughs> executive power is vested in the president of the United States, period. That's it. That's the answer to all of it. And, and it's very, very clear. There are no independent agencies in the federal government. Uh, and, and, and any agency that says that it's independent or that the law says it's independent is not. It's, it's unconstitutional on that, on that basis alone. And I, I think, you know, as, a, as an intellectual argument among us, I think we can all agree that there's no, you know, but I mean, obviously we're not uh, anywhere in the judiciary. But, I, you know, I think, I think it would be very difficult to, like, even convince the people that none of these agencies uh, independence is a good thing because it really not independence it's really just in the hand of leftists wouldn't that require education which we don't do yeah and i i love vivek by the way i mean i, I let's not uh, you know i i like rfk despite what we talked about you know i like desantis but i i vivek is really good i mean he is really really good and i i i want to see more of him uh, on, mm -hmm. you know, on, in, on, with major platforms in front of large audiences, because he, he really, uh, does he is have the smart. On, is he going to be on the uh, debate stage yet? Or we don't know. I have no idea. Should, should we all well, be you, sending you know him five bucks? Stephen always starts off the show with the, the big stories of the week. And I think one of the big stories was Tucker interviewing all the candidates. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, I think yeah. that that was better than any debate that they've ever had. I mean, partly, oh, yeah. not partly, mostly because Tucker was a good interrogator and good, mm -hmm. you know, a good questioner. Did you see the one with Asa Hutchinson? I did. No, was it as oh, was it as cool as the one with Pence? I mean, the one with Pence is gone. There viral. was literally a point in that Q and A where Asa Hutchinson went silent. <laughs> And it was all it was all over the 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 bill, all that stuff about the transgenderism. Uh, uh, he vetoed that that bill that was yep. supposed to protect, protect children, and you know he he was just he wasn't convincing obviously with anything that he was responding to. He tried his level best, but again at one point, I, and I encourage you to go watch it. Asa Hutchinson was silent. It's like. Dude, you just lost. Like it. Oh, they're it, saying that Tucker succeeded in culling the field, which I have yeah. to down. He he definitely had knockout punches on several people. Now, is there more or less to say about Trump not wanting to sue him? Not wanting to sue him? Sit with him. Oh, oh, oh Trump yeah. did not do him. one of those. And even though they're supposedly buddies one day, not the next, maybe. Is there anything to be read into that? Should Tucker make a big deal out of that? Is Trump a chicken to sit down with him? Of course, you have Chris Trist, Chris Christie, <laughs> Chris, whatever you call him, Mike. Crispy oh, cream? Right. 
calling out Trump. He doesn't have the guts to debate me. And Bongino's like, uh, hey, yeah. Christy, you got the guts to debate me. But it is interesting, by the way, that whole well, format compared to the total waste of time of presidential debates. Yeah. Is there any way well, to capitalize on that or make that happen? I think Mark Levin was trying to get Christy on, too, and he's been ducking that. I can't imagine who going on. Shocking. I think the answer to your question, Stephen, though, is I think Trump and his people know that they're just huffing and puffing about him being the front runner. I think they know that he's not the front runner that they say he is and that he can't take he can't take a knockout punch. He can't that he's going to have trouble dealing with somebody who's really willing to come after him. Well, Trump routinely goes and talks to like. New York Times or Washington Post and whatnot. And I just don't understand why he craves the establishment's um, praise. And he oh, does okay. You don't know that? He's a narcissist. Yeah, we yeah of course he's a narcissist. He craves everyone's He's always been establishment himself. Yeah. He wants, but he wants to win. So he, he, those he's, gonna, people, he's willing to do whatever it takes in a way. Those people who yeah. interview him from the New York Times, the Washington Post, or NBC, or whatever, are such morons. I mean, they are so low IQ idiots that <laughs> Trump can hold his own with them. Um, right. But you get him up against something, somebody like, oh my God, I mean, Tucker is smart, but I mean, Mark Levin is a genius, right? I mean, you, you get him up against Mark Levin, and it's it would be the end of the world. You just get him up against anyone who's smart and with a memory. Well, but he's I done mean, interviews with Mark Levin. He's done interviews with Mark Levin, and Mark Levin gives him softballs. Mark Levin softball, doesn't right, yeah. doesn't well, do maybe, a hard, but maybe Tucker, Tucker gave everybody hard questions. Yeah, was mm-hmm. Mark Levin like right up there with Hannity and Rush and pushing Trump on America? I don't listen to him anymore, but I think he was one of the big strengths behind Trump. Well, I, I think we we're all kind of. I mean, I, I was I it was more Cruz in in sixteen than I than I was Trump. But uh, you know, when Trump won the nomination, I started looking into some of the trade and immigration issues that Trump was pushing at the time, and I came to the conclusion that Trump was right and that I had been wrong about uh, these issues over the years. And so, yeah, I kind of ooh, I was late to the game, but I got on the the Trump. Um, train as it were and uh you know covid of course disappointed us in trump and in everyone but i mean trump wasn't quite as bad as uh, as biden so. it's interesting that trump supposedly this week finally admitted it was a bit of a mistake his personnel choices um i think they've been trying to get him to say that for quite a while and it's interesting at end that that you are arguing that Trump's own people know he's not as far ahead as purported, right? That's your argument? Yes, and that's part of the why he's bullying and blustering as much as he is. Are you saying that because you think they have internal polling otherwise? Why do you think so? Um, why else would he not sh- at that forum? Because why else- he's above that. You stay above the fray. They can't be that stupid to think that he can win the way Biden won in 2020. I mean, it's just, it's not possible. He's not, they're not, it's not not possible for him to win that. It's not not possible they don't know that. He's not going to do that, though. He can't, he can't. He can't what? 
go to some bunker and, and just wait it out and think he's going to win. That's not going to work. That's what I'm saying. They can't. They can't be that stupid. So, I mean, I th- I think they're trying to intimidate DeSantis out of the race. That's I think that's their game plan right and, now. I mean, DeSantis is right now his own worst enemy. You know, <laughs> you know, is DeSantis I, I, half as bad as they portray him? And in, in regarding in what way? Anything. I mean, every time he sneezes, you know, he's the worst candidate in history. And is it more in the frame that he's really all that bad? You know, every well, let's let's look, let's know. take I mean, let's look back to to twenty sixteen, and our and our candidate. Ed and my candidate, Ted Cruz. I like Ted Cruz. I still like Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz doesn't come off as sincere when he speaks. This is not something that can't be fixed. It could be fixed in a week if he went and had training with a real PR public speaking person. He could his sing songy preaching way of speaking could be fixed if you he can you know ed you remind me of the thing that once you learn how to fake sincerity yeah yeah exactly yeah. The, the right the hollywood but uh, i think desantis has this this weird image problem um and and he he just he doesn't come off right and he really ought to like invest a week in you know, a really decent seminar. And, and he's, it said in well, the, again, articles I don't trust, but it said that he's spending all these money, this money on these typical GOP consultants. And all they do is, is like spend his money. I, think- I, I don't doubt that that's a problem for a second that he's getting all that kind of advice in his, in his ear. But at the same time, you know, when you're on the big stage, sometimes you just never know how anybody's gonna handle it and how they're gonna look etc you know what i mean it's like i i think of mayor bloomberg again the last time around as soon as he was up on that stage he was just it was terrible it was all it was all i think i i just want to dissent a little bit on that i think i i agree that that desantis has an image problem but i don't think it's because in fact he has problems connecting with people i think the problem is Trump is defining him. Trump is the one who's defining for everybody what DeSantis is, and DeSantis is not responding to it. And I know, Ed, you brought up that article a couple of weeks ago about, you know, DeSantis playing the long game, like that old uh, Roman, whatever, I forget who it was. Fabian strategy. The Fabian strategy, right. And I mean, I get it that he thinks that he can win the long game and he thinks he's going to outlast him. But honestly, that was, I mean, honestly, that was Ted Cruz's strategy and it didn't, and it failed miserably. I, I don't I mean, know that that's it. I, I, I wonder if he's. It clearly, does, are you disagreeing that Trump is defining DeSantis better than DeSantis is defining I, DeSantis? I don't think that's what DeSantis's problem is. We know Trump is going to go after him and start calling him the sanctimonious and all this nonsense. But it's not just that. It's, uh, it, it's the way he's. I don't, I don't, Trump I don't. I, I'm not How seeing, ridiculous I'm not is seeing, it that uh, anybody uh, believes see, that DeSantis is a member of the establishment? I, I don't see a focus and a purpose with the DeSantis campaign right now. I think he's he's striking while the iron is hot because he knows there's people that are anti-Trump and want him gone. And that if he doesn't do it now, yeah. a la Chris Christie, when, you know, Chris Christie in his first term and everybody thought he was all that 
and he should have should have should have left and and you know tried to run then and he didn't and now he's probably never going to get it. I I I I think there's two you know what I think main things in a sense. I I just don't know that he has that that focus and, and what the is purpose behind his campaign that you really well, should the, purpose, have. the biggest purpose behind his campaign is being is the thunder that's being stolen by Vivek, meaning namely his biggest. His biggest issue is wokeism and the culture war. And Vivek is is doing better than he is on that subject. And he either needs to come after Vivek or he needs to come after Trump. And I don't think he should come after Vivek because he basically agrees with Vivek. And I don't think Vivek is the long-term threat that Trump is. He, he needs to stop letting Trump define him as the Paul Ryan guy, the Karl Rove guy. I don't see that as really being that much of a factor right now. I, I think right now every everything is it's, all, it's more internal <laughs> with the way DeSantis is running the campaign. And I, right now, I don't I don't really see anything coming out of the campaign at all. I mean, you know, we're we're, we're barely out of the starting gate of that, but I just I don't see anything yet. I, I go back out. again to Roman history. I mean, you know, we're not going to be saved by someone from outside the establishment um you know the the corrupt roman republic was destroyed by caesar and he was a member of the establishment but he's sort of um he he sort of uh destroyed the republic in the name of the people and i think from our perspective we've got to look and just because desantis went to yale and to harvard and you know um you know, then it went into military as a as a JAG officer rather than a combatant. Um, you know, it 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 does. You know, his his background screams, you know, Bush. You know, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. I, his background screams Bush. And I and while I do think the trans, you know, cultural and the, and the wokeism in schools is a good issue. I don't think it's as good an issue. Um, as Trump's core issues of trade, you know, manufacturing going to China, and and the invasion, the you know the the uh, border, border porosity, I, I think you know I think those three issues, when presented together as a single sort of understanding that there is you know this force, the left that wants to destroy America. Mm-hmm. They're invading it from the south. They're sending our manufacturing to the east, and they're trying to destroy our children. You okay, know, that, but my, my that answer to that, Ed, my answer to that is: Is Trump a proven winner on those issues, or did he not get anything done on those issues that lasted, and it was mostly talk, blah blah blah? I'll take talk right now. To be honest, I, I don't know what to say. But, I mean, that, I, that I'll goes- take talk. That goes to the purpose and the focus. I mean, Trump does have a real platform right there that uh, it's the, part of the reason, the big reason he became president was a lot of those issues, especially immigration, all right? It resonated with, with people. They resonated with the base. About immigration. All Trump is talking about is but that's the attack what, on him, the persecution. I'm that's his about whole the, platform right now. Okay, but I mean, he still does own some of these issues. I mean, you know, he, I mean, he got elected on. Them. Yeah, but he went to the left of the woke issue. 
And I, I kind of see Trump as flailing and kind of like, I'm not following this that closely because I hate these people, but kind of what Ed says, he's running on, you know, being crucified. And, and is that enough? It could be. I, I, don't, I, I don't know. I mean, think I about think how many people on our side hate the left for, for that reason, for, you know, because they're doing that to him. But Ed, Ed, you've said it before. I hate the left for what they're doing for him, but that doesn't mean he should be president. And I, you know, people have trouble splitting that one. Yep. I mean, maybe he could be God or the Messiah, but I don't want him in the White House because of that. All right. Now, we haven't talked about the important stories of the week, like Biden nibbling at a little girl. <laughs> and yeah, the, the obvious double standards, can you imagine if, I don't even want to, that was so grotesque. And yet, like the bag of cocaine, which the Secret Service can't find, the obvious problem of they have tracked down any single person within a thousand miles of D.C. in a 48-hour period, but in 10 days, they absolutely can't find who had a bag of coke in the White House. There was a great, um, there, there was a great uh, routine by, um, oh God, the guy who did the Daily Show was his name. Um, Stewart. Yeah, John Stewart when John he was Lee on. Lewis. Yeah. When yeah, John Lewis, right? It uh, when he was on um, his friend, uh, you know the the really crazy guy. Um, I know no names. Uh, <laughs> show where he. Uh, uh, Stuart did this whole routine about like um, the virus and where it came from. And it's like, oh, it was right there. You know, it's, it didn't come from the Wuhan Institute of Virology, this virus in Wuhan. You know, he did this whole routine. It was really very mm -hmm. funny. And, um, and, and that's kind of like, you know, where, where did the cocaine come from, right? I mean, it's like, <laughs> where did the cocaine in the White House come from? I have no idea where the cocaine in the White House came from. Um, but I have a feeling, uh, you know, that oh, there was this video of, of Hunter obviously doing this behind Biden at, at some event, you know, like like rubbing in his nose and, you know, stuff like his nose is running. Um, I, I don't doubt that Hunter brought cocaine into the White House. Whether he brought this cocaine, it's a very high pressure job, the White House. And I would be surprised if not a few, you know, of the White House staff mm -hmm. uh, use uppers of some sort, whether it's cocaine or, or um, you know, Adderall or, I think you know, that's what would be more likely. I yeah. Mean, there, was, there was rampant drug use by the Clinton aides. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I you know, know. It, to be Nothing honest, new. this whole cocaine thing is a complete and utter, it's a, it's a psyop by the media. That's why the media are actually covering it because it's a psyop to take our um, attention away from things that are important. Because it doesn't matter who was using cocaine in the White House. That's stupid. Yes, we're laughing at Hunter and stuff and, and laughing, but none of that matters. What matters is the trade, the invasion, the COVID stuff, you know, the. Um, uh, the transing of our kids, you know, the 25% of youth now identify as LGBTQ plus A, B, C, M, O, U, S, E. That's, that's ridiculous. Ed P, I and, have a grammar question for you. Sorry, point of order. Is transing now a transitive verb? 
Apparently, one can trans. Trans, okay. yes. Yes. Thank you trans and the kids. No, the child mutilation is definitely a high thing on the list. And I think that most normal, I mean, there's this movie out. I haven't seen it. Uh, the about Sound of Freedom. Has, has anybody here seen it yet? No. I know Alu went to see it and loved it. Anybody planning to see it soon? Yeah, I'm I'm gonna go see it. Absolutely. I, I, I think, you know, I I I think the media is is playing into the movie by saying that it's all QAnon conspiracy. I had a Facebook friend, Lefty, uh post some post about how uh you know the movie is a complete psyop to make you think in P that Pizzagate was real and it's like that. Have you seen the movie? I mean, that's not at all what it's about, you know? And uh, I think I think the media's hatred for the movie is just is causing it to to go up. That's what I said last week. <laughs> yeah. So, and then, you know, it's regular old movies. I mean, we get, we got Mission Impossible. We're going to, last week, we're going to see it this week. And then we have uh, the new Barbie movie, which is supposed to be a, a I, the trailers for it look fabulous, to be honest. It looks hysterically funny, um, but it's supposed to be a, a, a feminist screed from one end to the other, uh, minus the 90 seconds that they clipped out to make the trailer. So we'll see. I'll see reviews. And then the Oppenheimer movie, Christopher Nolan, is supposed to be good. I, I would like to see that. I worked in the nuclear weapons biz for a while, so I'm interested in Oppenheimer. But Oppenheimer was, in fact, a communist. And that's why when the government went from being, you know, Soviet lapdog to being anti-Soviet in the 50s. Uh, he, he security clearance was removed. And I have a feeling that they will whitewash his communist affiliations uh, from the third. I mean, you can't whitewash the communist. They've whitewashed the entire American government's communist affiliations during World War II. <laughs> from 1941 to 1945, the whole government was communist affiliated. Uh, and they whitewashed that. So I have a feeling they'll whitewash it and make Oppenheimer's, you know, downfall, you know, the result of of uh, McCarthyism and evil, you know, seeing communists where they are. Well, I mean, he was a communist. So I I, I have I, I'm not going to like I'm not going to enjoy that particular whitewashing. But no big movie in Hollywood will would ever get away with presenting the truth about uh, communist infiltration in the government in World War Two. Okay, lots of things we probably did not get to. So, Mike, first shot. Uh, no, I mean, I was actually going to bring up that first topic that we started with today. Which was what? Which was the RFK stuff. Oh, the RFK stuff, okay. So, nothing else in the quiver. But, so, pass yeah. the baton. Ed P., any story we didn't get to that you want to get to? I know the Oppenheimer movie was the thing I had in mind. Anybody, what about the Ukraine blowing up that bridge business? I'm so confused about that. It's like, oh my God, it's a terrorist attack. Then apparently a couple of civilians. It's like bridges have been a military target since the Sumerian. Get the fuck out of here. Of course you can blow up bridges. Jesus Christ. This is a family show. It's a family show. Come on. I mean, it's ridiculous. Now, yeah, maybe they should have blown up the uh, right. railroad bridge and maybe they plan to. I don't know. I've seen the bridge on the River Kwai. We're going to talk about movies and bridges and all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. The bridges are military targets. They've always been military targets. The idea that, the, uh. that this is some sort of terrorist attack against civilian infrastructure because the, we, the Russians, promised that we're not running any military supplies over the bridge. Get out of here. 
And how about the story that Russia's pulling out of this grain deal? Is that a big deal? Uh, don't know. I mean, I don't know how big the grain deal really was in principle anyway. But My understanding we'll is they're going to more, they're going to let less grain get out of Ukraine. That's my understanding. So, um, I saw that story too recently about um, us sort of escalating in, in a sense of more American personnel going to Eastern Europe. Uh, I forget what the, the law is called. I wish I had had this in front of me ed you probably know what i'm talking about yeah they they called up 3000 reservists to go to poland to help train the ukrainians and probably at u.s equipment it was under some program that we already had in place though because i know a lot of people on the right were like oh my god this is like crazy escalation the question is is it really uh, i mean i, yeah. I do work i do worry about hearing this stuff i mean you know with everything that is going on but uh, you know, listen, let's get the facts straight. And, well, uh, I, again, I, in every country in the world anyway, and it's no big deal. Yeah. For people to well, move. I, I think I was reading on um, one of the sub stacks about U Ukraine, the Ukraine war, Ukraine war truth or something like that, about how there have been rumors about Americans having been killed there. Maybe on the other side, Russians being killed. Uh, I don't know if I believe any of it. Um, obviously, well, that I think there, be, I think that, there have would been be Americans a, captured, and okay. I think there have been Americans captured and killed in the war. But if not, we're, we're like firing and shooting at each other, obviously that would be a real escalation. But then again, then again, if stuff like this happens, uh, you know what? You may never know the truth of what happens. That uh, first right? of all, I, I I disagree with that completely. My dad was in the Air Force in in uh, Korea. He was in Air Force Intelligence. He debriefed pilots. The pilots fought Russian pilots all the time. But uh, U.S. pilots in Korea be, uh, fought Chinese primarily, but also Russian yeah. pilots uh, all the time. The Russians had no problem introducing airplanes into the Korean conflict. And the same thing happened in Vietnam. You know, again, Korea, Vietnam, not today, okay. but the idea that uh, it's uh, totally out of bounds for America to have fighting in a proxy war against Russia is ridiculous. Now, again, I don't think I think peace should be our goal. I don't think this is, war is going to lead anywhere. But, uh, you know, people bring up these stupidities like, oh, it's terrorism to attack a bridge or, oh, my God, it's it's awful that American, you know, special forces, you know, eight guys are in Ukraine. It's like, who cares? That's that's the Russians yeah. did that to us in every conflict. Um, up to now, a turnabout is fair play. Now, that, mm -hmm. That's the principle. The, I, I think you know, my position is we should work for peace between Russia and Ukraine. But I, from the standpoint of if we're in this war, it's ridiculous, absurd um, criticism of the United States. Madam mm -hmm. Klimapitter, any other story or any other way you so wonderfully tie everything together with an opinion no one else had yet? <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, no, I think we hit on all the stories of the week. I think that the Tucker interviews was was probably the biggest story of the week. I think uh, the Sound of Sound of Freedom movie is is a pretty good story. Um, it's not really a big story, but it's more of a cultural story. Um, is it a story that Tucker they're saying is really working on this media company? 
Uh, hard to say. It's hard to say, and if he is, he might be in violation of his Fox contract. Even if he doesn't appear on it? Oh. I mean, he's not allowed to, he's apparently not allowed to compete. I think that that contract is not going to be upheld in the in the courts. I, I think that uh, I, I know Fox wants to muzzle him um, until after the election. I think that's the goal. Um, that ain't going to happen. And um, I think, well, you know, Fox is going to realize that at some point. They're bleeding, bleeding viewers. Less than half of what they had. Before does they anybody fired. care if they catch up to CNN? Uh, I mean, does anybody really need viewers anymore? I don't know. And, you know, and going back to our pre-conversation that Ed and I had on another matter, they may not be Tucker in court, but can't they tie him up for years? Uh, I, I mean, they might be able to, but I mean, Tucker is rich. Tucker is, is inherited rich. He, he had more money than God before he even started working. So it, I you know, know he's wealthy, but it doesn't mean lawyers can't tie things up for very long times. Well, that's if, if he I, fights. It's not just that he's wealthy. It's that he's willing to fight. I mean, yeah. that's yeah. that's the difference. I mean, I think it's interesting that Fox was very public about the cease and desist letter that they sent him. But as soon as Tucker and Harmy Dillon started pushing back publicly. We haven't heard anything about it. I mean, why haven't they sued him? Tucker has not shut up. Tucker has been producing things, put you know, disseminating things. All of a sudden, we don't hear anything from Fox about it. So, Fox has other problems, and Disney, by the way, is yeah. Uh, that's the best story of the week. Oh my God, I'm sorry to run long, but. Disney is selling off half the company or at least putting it out for sale like they have a yard sale. And that is fantastic because these big companies, um, you know, not to be too Teddy Roosevelt on here, but these big companies uh, could do with a little breaking up. And the fact that Disney has run itself into the ground so that it has to sell off these large sections of it is just, I think, is the best news of the week. Yeah, ESPN Um, included, which had that big... uh... Massive firing. Yeah, I think they want to sell 49% of the SPN. I don't think they want to sell a controlling interest. There's a lot of, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of turmoil and and, and chaos, and things are in a state of flux right now. Just in entertainment. That's what I'm saying in terms of entertainment. Oh, yeah. We didn't even mention the the writer's strike. The The writer's strike, the the actor's strike. It's so fantastic. I mean, they're, they're saying, you know, if this strike go- continues, there won't be any television programs next year. And like, I have plenty of videos. We have Believe movies. me, I can go plenty of movies and I can go years without subscribe. I mean, even if you just do on Netflix, Reruns. you know, I mean, there's there's plenty well, of stuff that I have. The interesting seen. thing about that story, though, is that the actors are trying to portray it as the last stand against AI. Yeah, I saw that and too. That, yeah. And that this and is all about. Actors- if the actors themselves were honorable and admirable people, I'd agree with them. Yep. But they're all scum. And well, yeah, yeah, I want a new Humphrey Bogart movie. Yes, I do. I want a new Cary Grant movie. I want a new um, uh, John Wayne movie. You sign my ass up for that instead of Ezra Miller, the well, non-binary. You want a John Ezra Wayne? Movie? Do you want a John Wayne movie created by the morons that are going to program AI? 
I don't know. It might actually be make them out to be gay. To what? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I mean, it, it's interesting because there's so many these companies more, go bankrupt. There's so many more platforms and so much more opportunity for people in these industries. But, you know, I don't know where things are going to go. But I mean, obviously, they are heading towards people picking more a la carte what they want in terms of content. And that has to be ba bad for them. People like that. They want their sports. The sports is going to drive everything. So uh, I have I had YouTube TV over the last number of years, and they had SNY for my Mets. I said, if they ever get rid of it, I'm definitely gone. Well, guess what? As of June 30th, there was no more SNY. I'm done with YouTube. I had to move to Fubo. At some point, Fubo is probably not going to have it. So you're going to have to pay for SNY if you want your Mets. I mean, Yes Network has this. You're going to have to pay a subscription. And then from there, where's the draw to have some of these live TV platforms you know there's some stuff i like maybe people still still watch their fox news and all this other live stuff i mean you could probably get some of that content now online anyway and just wait for it so i, I think there's real risk for a lot of these people in these industries if things start to condense because people really only i mean how many core channels do most people watch not not, not a lot because I'm not, not I'm, not very, I'm not young anymore, but the young people even turn on a television anymore? No, I could tell you, my kids, they don't. Their faces are in iPad. Right. So don't they get that? Well, they might watch Netflix or Hulu, but they don't watch uh, television, you know? No, no. And, and these actors want, these actors want, I mean, they get, the whole acting profession, right, is ridiculous because, um, you know, the, the big stars get huge, and there, there's a, supposed to be 165,000 members of SAG-AFTRA, and of the of those, maybe a thousand are employed at any one time. And, and it's like, yeah, get out of acting. If if you haven't made it by 30, you're not going to make it. I mean, yes, there's these unicorns yeah. that make it, but just get out. You know, if you hit 30 and you haven't made it, out, and because you're not going to make it. It's just the end. And, you know, and then there are these actors complaining about the studios. Oh, the studios are so evil. It's like, that's where United Artists came from. The United Artists was started, and again, yeah. I don't do, do names. United Artists was started by uh, two or three uh, actors back in the day, famous actors, to get around the studio system. Perfect. You want to do that? Yeah. Knock yourselves out. It's been done before. But, you know. All righty, folks, we're going to close off for the week. Be back next week, regular time. And um, please send feedback to the Conservatarian Exchange at libertyblock.com. And we wish everyone a wonderful evening.